Psalm 13:6. I will sing to the Lord, because He has dealt bountifully with me. When God Comes Calling by Ted Fletcher, Day Nine, Chapter Seven to the Regions Beyond. Our hope is that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, for we do not want to boast about work already done in another man's territory. Two Corinthians ten fifteen to sixteen. It is then only reasonable to seek the work where the need is most abundant and the workers are fewest. James Gilmore, missionary to Mongolia, eighteen seventy two to eighteen ninety three. There are no other missions that will send us to Mongolia, will you, Mister Fletcher? The young couple standing before me explained that they had a deep burden for Mongolia, but every mission agency they spoke with told them there was no way they could go there because the country was closed. At that time, Mongolia was one of the most restricted countries in the world, but this couple felt the Lord calling them there. We encouraged them that God had an open window. And helped them put together a team of like-hearted new missionaries. While they waited for the window to open to Mongolia, they went to Budapest, Hungary, where one of the universities had a visiting professor from a university in Mongolia, which was the best place to start learning the Mongolian language, even though they had to use an old language book written in Czechoslovakian to do so. In 1989. When the Iron Curtain fell, there was only a handful of believers in all of Mongolia, possibly as few as ten. Our team was among the very first foreign missionaries to enter the country. It certainly helped that they already knew some of the language, and God used them to win and disciple Mongolians. A few years later, this same couple prayed, "Lord, you've raised up so many missionaries here now. Where else do you need us?" They felt the Lord calling them to Libya. A country that seemed completely closed at the time, but that only that only made the need to go all the greater. They spent the next few years working with Libyans elsewhere in the Middle East, and are still praying for the door to open for them to reside in Libya. They are the epitome of pioneers. They just won't give up. There were more young people like this couple. Who were ready to go wherever the Lord called them, and Peggy and I didn't want to turn away any of them. We didn't want a single potential missionary to conclude I can't go there. That's why we decided from the start to recruit for quantity and screen for quality. We knew that a lot of young people who talked with mission agencies were exploring God's will for their lives, and when they came to us, we wanted to be sensitive to where they were and not rule them out immediately for reasons that were not biblical. There will always be some applicants who don't make it for any one of a thousand reasons, but we wanted to cast the net very wide. We took every inquiry seriously and encouraged each person as much as possible. The application process itself is a natural screening process, filling out forms, being interviewed, taking a Bible test, undergoing psychological testing, and more. Furthermore, we work with applicants in partnership with their local churches and send out only those who have been fully endorsed by a home sending fellowship. The entire process allows plenty of time to look at someone's calling, training, gifts, personality, temperament, aptitude, interests, ministry values, and more. We knew applicants would hear from God during that time, as would we. 
We didn't want a single potential missionary to conclude, I can't go there. That's why we decided from the start to recruit for quantity and screen for quality. Many of our first recruits came from Washington Bible College and later from Columbia International University in South Carolina, one of the top mission schools in the country. Two of our children had become students at Columbia, and because they were headed for the mission field, they knew everyone else on campus who was, too. Many of the 1,000 students enrolled there wanted to go into missions full-time. When Peggy and I made recruiting trips to the college, they approached our display booth in the student center and asked about possibilities for reaching the unreached areas of the world. Instinctively, I began saying things to them that I wished people had said to us when we applied to be missionaries 20 years earlier. So you want to be a missionary? Great, it's no problem that you don't have all your training yet. We'll work with you and your church to get that taken care of, and before you know it, you'll be out on the field. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Be one of the few. We've been praying for people just like you who are willing to forsake all and follow Christ. I like the can-do attitude of Rick Clark, who was our director of mobilization at the time. He would say to Hello. students, Hey. Could you, could you read a little bit slower? I feel like you are very quick at reading. I can barely catch up. So, sorry. Okay, I will read slower. I liked the can-do attitude of Rick Clark, who was our director of mobilization at the time. He would say to students, don't let anybody tell you that you can't get into India. India is wide open to the gospel and we can get you there. Many of the young people we met back in those days are still serving on the mission field with pioneers today. One student we met, for example, told us after her summer trip to China, I have to get back to China. There was a sense of urgency in her words, as if she really understood the monumental size of the harvest field in that country. We had an open door there, so we were able to send her right away. She is still in China, now with her husband and children. Another student we met at Columbia was a young man named Steve Richardson. Steve grew up in Irian Jaya, Indonesia, where his parents were missionaries. His father, Don Richardson, wrote the classic mission books Peace Child, Lords of the Earth, and Eternity in Their Hearts. Steve was one of the mission visionaries on Columbia's campus. President of the Student Mission Fellowship, he had a passion for the unreached Sundanese Muslim people on the island of Java in Indonesia. At the time, they were considered the largest unreached people group in the world, numbering 33 million. Our board had been praying about launching a new outreach to the Sundanese, so it was a natural match. Steve put his administrative and leadership gifts to work and built a team to match the task, including our daughter Arlene, whom he married in 1983. Within a few years, Steve and Arlene helped to assemble a team of 40 enthusiastic missionaries. Among them were her, our daughter Carol and her husband Gary Franz. It was our largest team at the time. The team initiated an array of creative ministries, including English schools, literature publication, relief work, and theological training for national workers. 
Arlene started a self-help program called Agape Craft, which employs local workers who make and sell quilts, wooden crafts, stuffed toys, and other items. Not only does Agape Craft provide jobs and training for the unemployed, but it is also an excellent witness of how Christians can apply godly principles to business endeavors. One of the other members of this team, John Thane, was involved in a theological school that trained national workers. Many years later, John became our director of international ministries. From that Sundanese team have come additional teams that are now bringing the good news to other unreached groups in Indonesia, many also numbering in the millions. As our staff on the field grew, our headquarters staff grew as well. God would bring us people in the most remarkable ways. For example, Barb Snyder from New York, Pennsylvania, where my brother Harry was a pastor, heard about an opening for a job as my secretary. While I was interviewing her, we needed to send out some receipts, and since there was no one else to help, I asked Barb if she wouldn't mind typing them. That was in December 1984, and Barb has been with us ever since. She came to us without promise of support and just trusted the Lord to provide for her. She is the equal of the finest secretaries I worked with in the business world and also became like another daughter to Peggy and me. Other key staff came at a time when we were expanding and needing the right people. One of them was Jerry Knisley, our first full-time accountant. Jerry and his wife, Mary, were a great blessing to us, and we felt a tremendous loss when the Lord called Jerry home a few years later after a long battle with cancer. God sent us more and more young people who wanted to blaze new paths to the unreached. In fact, we decided to change our name to describe more accurately the call that the Lord has given us. We also needed a name that would be more security sensitive, one that didn't sound like a Christian mission, so that we could protect our missionaries in restricted access countries. I remembered hearing that only one out of every ten missionaries is pioneering in new fronts, frontiers. We wanted a mission in which ten out of ten were pioneering, so we chose the new name Pioneers to reflect our desire not to follow the worn paths, but to blaze new ones. Our board also defined our focus of ministry. At the time, there were thousands of unreached people groups around the world, so we asked the Lord on which groups within the six unreached blocks he wanted us to focus our efforts. We felt he directed us to these unreached peoples, the Kurds in Turkey, part of the Muslim bloc, the Fulani in Mali, West Africa, Muslim, the urban Buddhists in Bangkok, Buddhist, the Hindus and Muslims in Mauritius, the Sundanese in Indonesia, Muslim, and the Pakat in Kenya, tribal. One of these groups, the Fulani, was considered so difficult to reach that one mission had pulled out their workers. After 40 years of missions work there, they had two converts. One was killed and the other disappeared. We were sobered by the task ahead of us, but not overwhelmed. If God would help us to raise up a team, we determined to focus on those with the least opportunity to hear, regardless of how dangerous or how difficult the task might be. Um, so, uh, what does it 
tell me here? Um, so I guess like they are raising up um mich- missions into the hardest countries to get into. Um, uh-huh. so they're raising teams to go into the places with the least opportunity to hear the gospel, regardless of how dangerous or difficult. Yeah. After 40 years of uh, missions, mm-hmm. one year, they had two converts. One was killed, and the, the other disappeared. Yeah. That's so shocking. What is the converts? So... After 40 years of doing missionary work in this place, only two people converted to Christianity, and one of them died, and the other one disappeared. What? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Seems like they spent 40 years in this enriched country, and... Uh, only two converted to become Christian, and the one was killed, the one disappeared. Yeah. What? I know. Unbelievable. Terrible. How come? I don't know. I guess it's a very hard-to-reach place. Oh my gosh, where is God? Yeah. I think like a lot of times um it's it's really hard to get something started like at the beginning it's really hard so this is probably the beginning of the gospel being introduced into this place so it's it's tough because um I guess God's presence isn't very um isn't there isn't as much there's like other other kind of idols or or spirits hold a lot of territory a lot of sway over people people's hearts so it's hard to get introduce god into that place So frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I cannot imagine if it happens on me. I put my life in unreached people, mm-hmm. and all forty years only two people converted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we would say like a human heart is in God's hand, and God uh, they like the water can change the direction right mm-hmm. but make it so difficult mm-hmm. yeah human hearts can be very hard i guess in the bible it also says human hearts can be the, the of the king can be changed by god like the water oh, okay yeah that's true so why? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Armed with a new name and a defined focus, we began aggressively recruiting a new breed of missionaries who were looking for a pioneering approach to reaching the unreached. We moved forward by faith and trusted that God would open doors and windows and give us the strategies we needed. As God sent young people our way, first baby boomers and then baby busters after them, we saw them as a unique force for world evangelization. These teenagers and young adults thought about their faith and life in more relational terms. We were drawn to them, and they to us. In time, the Lord also attracted older, second-career missionaries to us, who were young at heart and full of zeal. They all liked our flexible approach and what we today call our core values. Our number no. one... Hey. Hey. Yeah, sorry for interrupting you because I needed to better understand. Uh, we were drawn to them and they to us. In time, the Lord also attracted older second career missionaries to us. What is second career missionaries? So... I think it means like people who are older, just people who have, like they they have a their second career is being missionaries. They had a career first, and then they, when they were older, they became missionaries. Oh yeah, got it. Mhm.、Mm、so second career, they have the original career, and then they pursue the second one. As missionary as their career. Yes. They are older, but they their heart are young and full of zeal. Yes. Uh、mm-hmm. huh. They all liked our flexible approach and what we today call our core values. Our number one core value is passion for God. In everything we do, our heart is to glorify God among the nations. Two, we focus on unreached peoples. There are many good mission boards doing excellent work, but we don't want to duplicate what they are doing. Our maxim is: Do not go where the path may lead. Go where there is no path and leave a trail. We want to go to those who have never had an opportunity to hear the gospel. And that means focusing on peoples with the greatest need and least opportunity to hear and understand the gospel. Three, we work in partnership with the local church. The key to sending us, as well as receiving missionaries, we stress to our missionaries that they need to have a strong relationship with their home church as their senders. Once on the field, we partner with local national churches and ministries where they already exist. To accomplish the task, four we initiate church planting movements, resulting in dynamic, self-perpetuating, and multiplying churches that also have a missionary vision, so that they too become missionary-sending churches. Five we're team-centered and accomplish our mission through teams of people, who use all their combined gifts to get the job done. Six we believe in participatory servant leadership. Our team leaders are there to serve the people under them. That's why we base our area leaders on the field, unlike some mission agencies who base their field leadership in the home office. 
7. We try to use innovative approaches to reach and minister to unreached peoples. Most of the countries we work in don't welcome missionaries, so we look for outside-the-box creativity to get our teams to these places. One important way is through bivocational workers, doctors, nurses, builders, engineers, teachers, administrators, and business people. They have legitimate, non-religious jobs that grant them work visas, but their primary purpose is to make Christ known and, however possible, work towards starting a church. Finally, we believe in the ethos of grace, meaning that God's grace operates uniquely in the lives of all believers, enhancing our personal and cultural diversity in all our relationships. We try to cultivate an atmosphere of mutual acceptance, which encourages each of us to attain our full potential in Christ. Our statement of faith affirms all essential evangelical doctrines, while leaving secondary, less cons consequential issues as matters of personal conviction. As a result, we have a broad-based membership and partnership, which we think reflects the heart of the gospel and the mind of Christ. Some of these minutes. So he, he, they are very strategic. Mm -hmm. um, to be able to summarize what they are like, uh, almost eight strategies. Okay. Um, can you summarize it? <laughs> it's not easy. That's why yeah. I ask you. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because I feel like it's very strategic mm -hmm. to like start something very challenging, and uh, but they have very focused, mm -hmm. um, very strategic technique to plan things out. Mm -hmm. I was like rephrase or summarize what's the steps they take. This very difficult and challenging situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want me to do it? Um, how much you could do? Let's see. So, number one core value is passion for God. Two is a focus on unreached people. Three is working in partnership with the local church. Um, four is to initiate church planting movements. Five is to be team-centered and accomplish missions through teams of people. Six is to partic do participatory servant leadership. Team leaders are there to serve the people under them. Seven, um, they try to use innovative approaches to reach and minister to unreached peoples. And then... Finally, they believe in the ethos of grace, meaning that God's grace operates uniquely in the lives of all believers, enhancing our personal and cultural diversity. Okay. Yeah. Could we take a moment to come uh, to come back to see those steps? Sure. So, like, it's very. Uh, great resources for us like when we see God's calling what's the step or strategy we can take mm -hmm. yeah like the first one um, the core value is passion for God so I think it's uh, like 
they have a very clear mission and uh, vision mm-hmm. they have for God. Like they, their motivation is very, very clear. So for those who want to join the pioneer, they must have the passion for God. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So whenever we build up our team, we must be driven in the same passion, same motivation. Yes. Just how you and me can sustain this clubhouse to do the devotional, to read the book. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, we both have the passion to um, draw near to God in all manners, regardless what happens in our life. Yes, very true. Yeah. And the, the second one is... Uh, Unreached people. Yeah. So it's their focus. It's their mission. So when we like know, start to know God's calling, uh, I think here they the things they do very well is they distinguish themselves and mm-hmm. they a specific calling from God. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. They they know there's a lot excellent work out there already. They mm-hmm. do not. And they know where is the the, the niche mm-hmm. for to serve God specifically. So yes. they only focus on the unreached people. Mm-hmm. Regardless how difficult it is, yeah. they did think take the easy way. God's mm-hmm. calling doesn't mean we take the easy way. Yeah. That means uh, we have the faith and we trust that God can help us to um, complete His will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, let me think related to like uh, my clubhouse, our clubhouse for crack data science. Mm-hmm. It's a like, very specific small niche so far. Mm-hmm. But, I do see like the community is growing and uh, I try to distinguish from other great groups. There's a lot of great groups uh, out there, great conversation, great clubhouse. Mm-hmm. For me, um, I believe our mission is unique. It's very special mm-hmm. and our, um, our vision, our strategy uh, the people we want to reach the things we want to bring out make us unique mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah. Um, three is uh, partnership with the local church what do you see from here I guess like um, working with groups that are already there kind of not trying to do everything yourself. So great. All right. I agree. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the one that comes more realistic, right? Mm-hmm. We have a very great passion, very great mission idea. Mm-hmm. But how could we make it into execution? How could we take action? Here it is. So, they use the resources they already have and they want them to strengthen it because those resources which we already have make the things easier and mm-hmm. accept them 
preach how to say uh approachable mm-hmm. yes yeah we we already have some foundation and the community there it's way much easier to start compared to start everything from scratch mm-hmm. and just uh, like how to say code mail mm-hmm. no the people we don't know have a code call mm-hmm. to the people yeah so it, it tells us here yes uh, to best use our resources mm-hmm. yes yeah don't waste the things god's already given us mm-hmm. yeah uh so what's the sec- uh, fourth one um initiate church planting movements what do you see from here i guess like that they are church planting movements so it's like duplicating churches like planting more churches so spreading the pr- churches um so that that's like an important focus for them is to plant churches because if you don't plant the ch- a church then like church planting churches is how the community of Christ is strength is you know grows and is strengthened in a place so it's That's really important right. mm-hmm. so you bring something out very meaningful here mm-hmm. you bring up one word one, one word community mm-hmm. right yeah so yeah how could we make influence to the people sometimes like we need community mm-hmm. uh, to draw the people close mm-hmm. to them to see what's going on here and uh, uh, to um, build up the, the supporting system to let them to support each other help them to grow their self resilience mm-hmm. and meanwhile to help them have the community to support each other across the con- across the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's the what's the fifth one? Team centered. Accomplish mm-hmm. their mission through teams of people who use their combined gifts to get the job done. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like we, everyone, yes, uh, like the one part of the body yeah right like today you have the hour some certain things to do the record to do the edit mm-hmm. and, and also you help to lead the discussion when i could not do it mm-hmm. very great yeah yeah okay on the sixth one yes Servant leadership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Serve the people under them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you think about servant leadership? I think it's the type of leadership that Jesus did. Like he would wash his disciples' feet. Like that was to show servant leadership. Is whoever is first is 
needs to be last, like needs to be the one who is serving everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's the seventh? Using innovative approaches to reach and minister to unreached people. So they um, they would use, for example, bivocational workers like doctors, nurses, builders, engineers, teachers, administrators, and business people. So... Yeah, they have a legitimate non-religious job that grants them work visas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By vocational workers. Yeah. But their primary purpose is to make Christ known and how whoever possible however possible work towards starting a church. Yes. I feel like I didn't do a good job today. How come? Because um, during our clubhouse, I was in a car um, and with a, a group of friends. They are all non-believers. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a really great time to share my faith with them, but I do not. Hmm. Yeah, it's always hard to bring up religion around non-believers. Mm-hmm. But I was not like that before. Okay. I was very zealous, want to be evangelistic, and I like video. I talk with the strangers on the bus about our faith, mm-hmm. about faith. That's very admirable. It was, but now I don't know why I've become more timid or more conservative mm-hmm. to share with the people who's no believers. Yeah, I think it because it's always hard, so you have to make make an effort to do it. So I don't know. I feel like it's such a great opportunity, like because I. Turn on my clubhouse. I discuss with you with the lady. Mm-hmm. I should this opportunity to share gospel, but I did not. Oh, okay. I guess it was a missed opportunity. Mm. But I feel like. At least I do it in front of them. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. I did not hide it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many non-believers were there? They are all non-believers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I pray in front of them, I lead the discussion, join the discussion in front of them. Mm-hmm. I feel not already. Maybe it's the reason why I didn't take extra moments. 
extra mm-hmm. money. But I I think like yeah, we'll see how God works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you do you ever talk to non-believing friends about um faith things? Yes. Yeah. A lot of Okay, nice. Yeah. Oh, I was just wondering, like, if it's something that you usually do, because if it's something you usually don't do, then it would be hard to start, right? I've done a lot. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It was just today that it was somehow you just didn't do it. Well, I, I join the clubhouse in front of them so they hear what we our conversation. Mm, that's true. Yeah. And uh yeah. I I don't know. Sometimes uh if, if, sometimes uh if uh, people do too much mm-hmm. uh, some flavors will feel uncomfortable. That's true. Yeah. I think I with my non-believer friends, I've done too much, so now I don't really bring it up anymore because they are kind of tired of hearing about it. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, my friend has been very um there in front of me. Say she hung out with another Christian girl, and she feels so. Uh, she feel they didn't have any friendship because their Christian girl just talk about religions all the time. Oh, okay. So she even like tired about this friendship. Mm, yeah. It, yeah, it's a one reason for me to be more conservative to not bring out the this type of conversation too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think like our faith if we could act what we believe instead of speak out. Mm-hmm. One can speak very nice words or very convincing words. Mm-hmm. But when any time our action does not align with our words and very obvious to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. So I do appreciate who's a doer more than a speaker now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, what's the next? Um, finally, we believe in the ethos of grace, meaning that God's grace operates uniquely in the lives of all believers, enhancing our personal and cultural diversity. I think just the concept of grace, um, which is that, I guess God, God's grace, um, is unique in everyone's lives. So, um, in all our relationships, we try to cultivate an atmosphere of mutual acceptance, which encourages each of us to attain our full potential in Christ. So I think it's kind of like they believe in diversity and believe in accepting everyone and believe that 
God's grace can be at work in different cultures and different um, personal and cultural diversity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you are so right. It's uh, a lot of acceptance. Mm-hmm. Acceptance, acceptance of those who are different from us and have a lot of grace. Mm-hmm. For other people's faults and their weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should I keep reading? Um, how about we um, end it as a here? Okay. Kind of late already. That sounds good. Yes, and we have a really great discussion regarding this Seven strategies or eight strategies. Yes, we did. Yeah, I I do think it's very helpful. Things we are all going to plan our our life according to God's calling. So mm-hmm. it helps us to remember our passion, our vision, mission, and. Uh, how to use the resources we already have, how to uh, build up the community to support each other and have uh, uh, the team, everyone has their own gifts and uh, strive for the same goal. Um, and uh, what's, what's else? Um, innovative approaches, so I guess like try to use unique and innovative strategies to um, accomplish the goal. Yes, not do not be limited or constrained mm-hmm. with the what have have people what, what what did the people do in the past. Mm-hmm. The want to be cre- not just a creative but innovative, mm-hmm. which means we we are creative about the idea, but we also know how to execute our idea, how to take the action step mm-hmm. by step. Yes. Uh, what's anything else? Um, I think the ethos of grace, so being able to accept all kinds of different um, cultures and personal and cultural diversity. So it's like, Knowing that God is God can work through all kinds of different situations and not being limited, being open and accepting of um, diversity. Yeah, I agree. Like, be, have grace, be open-minded mm-hmm. for those who are different from us, and uh, when people have different input. Be open-minded to listen to their input and try to, yeah, make it through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We we can conclude today's discussion for this one. Okay.